This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Tanner Olson, and this is the Walk a Little Slower podcast. Here we talk about hope and heaviness, creating and continuing joy and sorrow, life and God, questions and answers and everything in between. This is a podcast where you are invited to slow down, to lean in, to hold fast and to eventually, to eventually keep going. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of the Walk a Little Slower podcast. I am just happy to be here, and I'm, I hope that you're just happy to be here as well. It has been about a month since I've released an episode of the Walk a Little Slower podcast, but it's because I've got a couple, I, I've got a few, a few pretty good excuses. I think they're pretty good for, for why I haven't released an episode. Uh, the first is, uh, like I mentioned on the last episode, we welcomed Judah home, and we've been adjusting to all things parenthood. Um, but also, I, I also have been still working, which for me requires, most days, require, requires travel. So I went to Chicago, and that was crazy. I went to Chicago to do a show with Blake Flatley, and we landed, got to the hotel, and I just got sick. I had to miss the event, and then it took me forever to get home, and anyways, I've been recovering from that. Then we had another event over in up in Queens, and that was a fantastic, that was a fantastic trip, a fantastic show to end the year. That was the last, our last show of the year out in Queens, and just absolutely loved it. Loved to meet, meeting so many new people, and uh, to to share poetry alongside Blake Flatley. It's just, it's been an incredible year. I think together we did, he and I, we did close to to twenty events, and we're beginning to book out events for uh, summer and fall and winter of 2024 so if you're uh, if you're looking to host an event of music and poetry send me send me a message i'd love to chat more with you about that i've been spending time working on some some goals for 2024 as well and 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 you know i've been trying to sleep every now and again but it's but it's hard so uh i'm, I'm excited for to, to, i'm excited to share this episode with you all um it's it's an episode that's really, it's been floating around the internet for, for a couple of weeks now. It's an interview that I did with my friend Kimberly Finney. Uh, it's from her podcast, The the Way Back Podcast. And, and you, you probably saw me post about this interview that I did with her on, on social media, but I thought it'd be fun to share the conversation here on on this on this podcast. And, and if you enjoy uh, the interview that, that she did with me, she does interviews with, with a lot of other artists, writers, creatives, friends. Um, you can check out her podcast, which is titled The Way Back Podcast, and there'll be a link in, in the show notes as well. But on, on the episode, I, I was just, I had just gotten back from Chicago. I was still not feeling 100%, but we, we've been putting this interview off and putting it off and putting it off. And so I, I show up to the interview on, on Zoom, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm tired. I am ready for, I'm ready to sleep. I'm ready to hold my son, but I can't. But the conversation, the questions that, that Kimberly asks were just, 
uh, they were spot on. They were, they, were, they were fun for me to answer. And maybe even some of the questions that she asked me might be helpful questions for you to ask, ask yourself. But on, on the episode, we chat about all things life, faith, writing, creativity. And, and I think one of the, thing, the themes that comes up or the two themes that come up in, in my writing is, is hope and slowing down or this, this idea of slow living. Um, and hope and slow living, that's a, those, those are two things that the world feels a little bit, a little, a little short on. Um, and so hopefully with this, this podcast, we can spread a little hope and invite you to, to slow down, especially in a crazy season like Advent, like, like Christmas. So anyways, in, in 2024, I'll be back with some brand new episodes. Um, again, the, the, the podcast, uh, I've had so much fun doing the Walk a Little Slower podcast. I won't be able to be releasing episodes at the rate at which I, I had been in the past, but they'll still be released. So so keep an eye out for those and uh, keep an eye out for all the things on social media of, of what's coming up. I've got a lot of fun ideas and, and fun projects planned for, for 2024. So anyways, with that, here is my conversation with Kimberly Finney. You don't have to paint a masterpiece. You can color outside the lines. There is nothing you need to bring to the table but yourself. Just, just bring yourself, your heart in silence and mess. Not a time to compare or compete. This is an open invitation to be with the one who created you to be. Here, you can listen and rest and thank and speak. He has invited you. Hi, I'm Kimberly Finney, and you're listening to The Way Back Podcast with thewaybacktoourselves.com. I'm a writer, professor, counselor, and dreamer, but most importantly, I'm glad you're here. The beautiful words that you just heard, so encouraging, come to you in this episode of The Way Back Podcast from none other than our modern minister of hope, poet and founder of Written to Speak, Tanner Olson. Prayer, which you just heard him read, is a short poem from his latest book, Continue, but it certainly carries a big message about our worthiness in God's eyes as children and as his co-creators. Tanner, which I've already said, but I'm going to have to say it again, that I am so excited that we're finally able to make this happen and to chat with you tonight about some of your favorite topics and mine about faith, poetry, and the cultivation of slow living and hope, especially in a society that feels a little short on both. <laughs> so I'm going to open up the floor to you to just catch us up to what's going on with you, what you want the listeners to know. And then I'm going to hit you with something we're calling the way back signature question. Oh, I can't wait. Well, I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. We've, I think we've rescheduled this podcast like three or four times. And I almost, <laughs> I almost backed out on this one again, because the last 60 hours have been pretty rough over here, but I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. And I, 
have never been called the modern minister of hope. And I am stealing that. You like I'm it? Put that, I'm going to put that on a business card or yes. something. I don't know. I'm using that somewhere. I love I, it. I, I love it. Uh, you, you infuse me with hope, right? And that's what we need. Well, that's good. Cause that's, that's, you know, when I, when I sit down to write, that's really what I set out to do is uh, I want to want people to feel seen and known and, and loved, but not like in this like cheesy, cheesy way, even though cheese is good, but like, you know, I, I want the, I want the reader to, to feel a little bit of hope uh, or to remember that hope is real, but you asked who, who am I, right? That's Give us a 411, like the elevator oh. speech, you know, <laughs> I am. I'm just a guy. I'm a. I'm an author. I'm a poet. I podcast every now and again. I'm a speaker. Uh, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, with my wife, our dog Pancake, our son Judah, and uh, yeah, I, I. I just love to to communicate hope and to to share the love of, of Jesus and to let people you know to remind people that they're not alone. I also love Orlando, the Orlando Magic, the NBA team. I love pop punk music. I love black coffee. I love most kinds of gluten, but most kinds of gluten don't love me. But it's a it's a battle I'm willing to lose. I'm yeah, I'm just a a guy who likes to to live a slow life and to to make friends on the internet. Yeah. I was telling my husband, I said, you probably want to be best friends with Tanner. He's a he, my husband also too. He's like, this guy sounds pretty cool. I said, Yeah. I said he likes basketball, gluten. My husband loves gluten too. Gluten Doesn't guy. love him. He's yeah. probably oh, gonna no, kill no. me for saying that, but <laughs> You know, if you we're know, truth tellers, I mean, we've got to shoot these things. It's funny when I introduce myself to, to people after they've gotten to know me a little bit, and then they say, well, what do you do for a living? And I tell them I'm a poet, and they laugh because they think that I'm joking. But really, like, <laughs> like my personality does not match, like, the, the typical or the stereotypical poet. Now, you know, stereotypes are just stereotypes. But and, and so, like, when I tell people, like, oh, I'm a poet, they're like, that doesn't really line up like with what we're, we're getting from you. So yeah. Yeah. That's, you don't, you, know, you don't wear well. turtlenecks and brimmed glasses, no, no. you know, all the typical. No, I, hardly, I, I like to wear sweatpants <laughs> and a sweatshirt. There you and, go. You know, I'm just a cozy guy. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And, I, but you know, on a serious note, I think that that is what makes your poetry so accessible because you are accessible as a person. A lot of us poets, I'm one too. <laughs> I am the stereotypes. <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself. You know, I drive a VW and I love turtlenecks and scarves. And I think I'm wearing my my brimmed glasses right now. So you'll bring the cool factor tonight. <laughs> and, and I love laughing because the past couple of podcasts we've done have been amazing, but they had very serious tone because we were talking about men's mental health with your buddy, yeah. Steve. So yeah. this is going to be a good compliment that we can do it all here. But on a serious note, and this is the question I like to ask, and I don't like to add to it. I learned this from our friend Troy at This Undivided Life to ask a really hard-hitting question and then just leave it in the air. And so what is home to you? You know, I so I, I, I was on This Undivided Life with Troy, if he's listening. And it, I think we were doing that episode during the the, the pandemic. And uh, he he was, I, we did the podcast real early on in the morning. And like before anyone in our in my house was up and it was just me and a cup of coffee and Troy and the sun was coming up and he asked, you know, like, what, what is home? And, and during the pandemic, you know, home felt very weird and, and different. So I get to answer this question kind of a little bit different again. But but for me, the, what kind of comes to mind is there's it's just like my my wife and our friends, and our family in a pew at church 
singing. And I'm I am not a good singer. I'm not. There are a lot of a lot of my friends are good singers, but it's just like this this moment of like overwhelming peace and truth and hope. And that's just everything is okay. And there's no other place that I need to be. I can just be right there where I'm, you know, all, all the things that we want to be, which is known and seen and loved, and on top of that, forgiven. So yeah, that's home. That's home to me. Wow. I think we could just end right there and people would feel fulfilled. <laughs> yeah. You you kind of brought tears to my eyes because just last night I left the house for the first time in six months for mm. a non-medical appointment because mm. of all my surgeries and illnesses. Yep. And where I went was church mm. and we had our Christmas party and I got to sit in the pews and yep. do the candlelight service. And I was feeling what you just said, washed yeah. over in awe. To look to my left and to my right and to feel, you know, a homecoming of sorts. So I'm really feeling what you just said. That's beautiful. (laughs) And just so hopeful because I think it does embody everything that we want to be. We feel sometimes the closest to God and in a moment like that we can. and, And then to be with the ones that you love. I mean, it's just that's beautiful sentiment. I'll be honest. I really like that answer, too, because I'm like, it's just it's. No, it's really all I've got, you know, because I mean, I would love to say like, you know, when I think about home outside of this question, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like with with, you know, my house with my my wife and my comforts and our dog and our son and like all the things that I know. But I think like, you know, boil it all down. And I was I was thinking about this earlier because, okay, backstory. The reason I wanted to back out of this podcast is like 30 hours ago, I was curled up in a Chicago hotel bathroom puking my my brains out right and and all i all i kept thinking was like just get home like just like just get home and that is where i'm at you know right now but i also you know i think about that in the 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 long sense as well of you know you you talk about your your illnesses and your sicknesses and you know you just talked with our friends about you know men's mental health you know everything here is not it's not all right. It's not what it's supposed to be. And so I just kind of keep thinking about the, you know, eternal life with, with, with Christ and like, we're not home yet. And and just get home. Just go. Yeah. And you're making me think of what C.S. Lewis even talks about and a lot of other really great Christian writers and apologists, but that idea that, that, that urging, that yearning is inside of all of us. And it's because like our GPS system is letting us know You know, we're here, but there's something we're so desperately searching for that we want to be pointed toward, right? And we won't ever really feel that and know that until we're actually in heaven in that final resting place and wholeness, completeness, that lack of pain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sitting in a pew and singing, like you were saying, or or doing a candlelit service or standing on the edge of a mountain and kind of taking in God's glory. Those are all things that let us get a taste yeah you know of that longing for sure yeah oh Mm -hmm. see this is a great question i mean you could just keep going (laughs) with a good question so another fun question that it helps our listeners get to know you and some of them are already big fans so they'll just really enjoy hearing it is the six word memoir challenge now the first time i did that was with nicholas trandell poet and friend on one of our earlier episodes and those listening loved it. And I had talked about you and I said, well, the first guinea pig, like the first person I ever tried this out with was with Tanner when we did the artist interview at our website. Mm -hmm. And he just went with it. It was great. And 
So yours, I, I have it written down. I can share it if you want to. I just thought everybody listening would like to hear it and kind of your like, why does that represent you? And again, the six word memoir for those of you who are listening comes from an Ernest Hemingway story. He made a bet. They said, you can't make a good story in six words. He said, watch me. He did. That's the myth. And then he won this huge bet. And since then, like writer fans and English teachers, for sure, use it, you know, as a source to get conversation going or to kind of instigate creativity. And so, yeah, the six word memoir challenge is out there and it's so much fun. So I don't know if you want to share yours and kind of talk about it. Yeah. I mean, when you sent over those interview questions, I was like, oh, I really got to think about these. But that one for sure, it took me a while. I came back to that one time and time again. But my answer is change continues and so do I. And it's just this whole idea of just like, you know, to to endure, to continue, to keep going. And and I think for those who are familiar with my wa- my work, a lot of it is um, encouragement to keep going. These these little reminders of hope, these this these bits and pieces of of encouragement, but hopefully like that truth that just invites invites the unknown and invites you to continue to walking into it. That one was you know, encouraging to me. And it made me think because one, I'm in this huge changing season of like, there's life, death, resurrection, there's it's literal, it's metaphorical, it's spiritual. And I, ah, I want to be better at this, but I don't like change. I freak out about it, you know, and I'm happier to sometimes be just nestled in something that's mediocre or not even serving me because I'm afraid of the change. And when I read that, it really ministered to me because I needed to realize in my own life, and I, I know this has got to resonate with our listeners, is like we're all enduring change at some point. And the truth is we will go on, especially yeah. in faith and mm-hmm. choosing love and to endure even when we personally don't feel it. We look around at those people that we love, the yeah. the deep ties that we have, like what we believe in, the faith we profess, and it makes you realize no matter what comes our way, like we are going to be equipped to mm-hmm. continue and that there's good reason to continue no matter how hard it is. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, this, it's all just a season and this, like, you know, mm. we've been, we've been going through a lot over here too. And so, you know, we, I just been thinking to myself, like, this is just a season and this too will pass. And and that is, that is true when things are going great. And that is true when things are going not so great. It is constant, like, you cannot stop time. You cannot stop change. It is coming. It is happening. And you can you can change with the changes or, well, it's going to happen anyways. So <laughs> you're going to change. You're either going to change for the better or you're going to change for the worse. And I think you kind yeah. of need to decide that. And what is the alternative, right? Like fighting yeah. against it is only going to hurt you more. Yeah. And, and it, it changes. Not supposed to, it's not going to bury you. Mm-hmm. But it, can make you it can make you stronger. And also, you know, change is one of those things that you get to do with with God. It's not this thing that you have to do all by yourself. Um, yeah. At least that's what comes to mind. Absolutely. I love it. And then mine was, may my life make you belong. Just because yeah. of that lack of belonging throughout life or not feeling seen. And then wanting to be, I think, God's hands and feet, you know, as a teacher mm-hmm. and and now doing this and as a writer and I'm, I'm practicing going back to school and, and learning more, you know, with counseling and stuff. And we were saying too, that the memoir really makes you crystallize mm-hmm. at this point in my life. What am I about? What work am I trying to achieve? How do I see things? So 
Another thing that has popped up recently, and I just want to open the door to, is you recently shared, first of all, all your Instagram posts are great. They're uplifting. (laughs) They are great reminders. They're kind of like little modern day Psalms, like little bites Mm. and bits and pieces for us um, as we scroll to grab us and kind of reframe. But you you shared one the other day that made me cry. (laughs) Mm. It, it resonated with me and it resonated with so many, but more importantly, just some of the joy that's entered your life. You shared about the five S's <laughs> and yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. If you wanted to speak to that, however you feel led. Yeah. So I, I posted this, I think on uh, December 6th or whatever it may be, but uh, we recently welcomed home our son, Judah. He was, he was adopted and uh, we were told on a Sunday morning and that we had been chosen to be his parents, and he was born Sunday evening and home with us on Tuesday. So our life changed very quickly for the better. Uh, our a little bit of our our backstory is just unexplained infertility, not being able to get pregnant, and so we've been in the adoption process for a little over a year. And so we were pretty shocked and surprised that we got the phone call and extremely thankful to have gotten the phone call and to have Judah home with us now. But I, I've been doing a lot of writing and, and and I to be to be honest, a little behind the behind the scenes, I try not to write too much about him or about being a father. And and I can't help but do it because when I write, I have to, I can only write what I know and what is true. But I am sensitive to write about it for all of those who are walking through infertility or waiting to be married, to be pregnant or, or whatever their story is. And so there's a little bit behind that, but I, I wrote this about the five S's and it, it goes mm-hmm. like this. It's 2 a.m. on a Wednesday morning and my son is screaming. I am sleep deprived and grateful. I cannot stop smiling or thanking God that I'm the one who was holding him. For the last four years, I've prayed about becoming a father and now I am one. I'm doing everything I can to calm him down. Last week, someone told me about the five S's to soothe the crying baby. Swaddle, side stomach position, shushing, swing, and sucking. And right now, I cannot help but feel like I am sucking at this whole parenting thing. None of the five S's worked, and I wonder if there is a sixth. His face is red, and his voice is heard throughout the entire house. I tell him I love him, but he doesn't know what that means yet. And I tell him it's going to be okay, but he doesn't understand. I tell him how we have waited and prayed for this day, but he still screams. I have have nothing else to give, so I surrender. Maybe that's the sixth S, surrender. I I hold him close and I rock him quietly. I wait for the storm to pass and it, it does. Maybe he just needed to scream. Sometimes we all just need to scream and surrender. My son is already teaching me things. Oh my goodness. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Just so many layers there. I really, really appreciate too that in this, you're sensitive to other people's stories as well, Mm -hmm. because I mean, this really, I was saying before we came on, it's so emotional to me because infertility is our story. We had our miracle daughter, which Mm -hmm. man, if that's it, God doesn't have to do one more thing for us. But now we also too are walking that again and that will forever be. And so just the waiting, the anticipation, and the beauty of that moment. And obviously, because you write in such a very real, clean, intimate way, it's so accessible to really anyone. 
how you're able to get at these really raw nuggets of what, if you're a parent or if you're just long, if you're someone who's longed for something and you finally have it, you know, in your hands, just the longing and then the revelation at the end about surrendering. I just, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So I definitely want to talk about this. So we'll go from one S to another. (laughs) Slow living, right? (laughs) Yeah. Your most recent book is Continue. I have them here in front of me. The one that came right before this, I think you said you wrote a little bit through the pandemic on this one is Walk a Little Slower. I love the cover. It's it's beautiful. And again, carries so much hope. But a lot of people want to know, and I know we're all still students of life, but what does it mean to walk a little slower? What does that look like as an artist, as someone of faith, as a philosophy, or even in the day-to-day life? I mean, how do we do this, especially in a world that is just feels like it's going faster and faster? I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no expert on it. Uh, like I said earlier, like I, I write what I need to hear. And this is one of those one of those phrases of of walk a little slower or or slow down um, that I just need to hear again and again because I'm somebody who, you know, I like to I, I tell a couple of stories in in walk a little story like I like to walk fast, eat fast, go fast, like I, I like to just keep moving and keep going and but that's not that's not living that's just like doing you know my growing up I would ride I would ride around in the car with my mom she's driving and a car would would zoom past us and and she would always say. I'll see you at the red light, you know? And, and I think a lot of times, like, we're just all just like zooming from one green light to a red light. And what, what about if we just enjoy it all as mm-hmm. we go, you know, like what if we just slow down and lean into the, to the beauty that's around us that we can just capture it and enjoy it. And, 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 you know, for me, it's like put my phone down in the other room for a little while and just sit and be with the people around me and, you know, ask, ask questions and, and lean into the, to the hurt, you know, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, similar to what our conversation has been so far. This is, it feels very much so like a, a slow living kind of conversation where we're not, we're not trying to solve any problems. We're just trying to sit with what is and, and to, you know, endure it's not, and the, the word endure sounds kind of strong there but to kind of go through and go on with what we're going through you know like you know we talk about you know your your medical stuff and, and we talk about infertility like you know mm-hmm. neither of us were trying to you know fix each other or give each other well have you tried this have you tried that it's not bad it's just like i i see you and i hurt with you i think when it comes to to slow living there's just a lot of compassion there it's hard to be fast and compassionate at the same time Oh, that's so good. There's so much richness in that. For for me, it's just, I know what it's like to try to live fast and to try to get around and see what's behind the next door or what's around the corner. But but for me, you know, I'll see you at the red light. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be the second one to get to the red light. I don't want to be the first one to get there, you know? Yeah. And that makes me think of that other thing that you say, like, I think you say, like, life is not a race and you are not behind oh yeah that's my favorite yeah i love that life is not a race and you are not behind and it's you know it's true what what are we what are we competing for (laughs) you know like just you can go slow because i mean when you think about it like you know i'm sure you've seen the the stories of like you know what do what do nurses hear from their patients as they're on their you know deathbed you know like i wish Mm -hmm. i would have spent more time with my family i wish i would have 
you know, not worked as much. I wish I would have taken more time to just be with the people I love. And basically what I hear them saying is I wish I would have slowed down. I wish I wouldn't have just tried to keep doing. I wish I would have spent some time living, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to get to the end of life and wish I would have lived. Absolutely. And, and not to say that people who haven't gone through these long waiting seasons where I know I learned these things and I know have been a part of your journey and your story, but I will definitely say that going through suffering and going through long, difficult seasons, sometimes it forces us to learn to slow down. Yeah, and that's, course. yeah. And that's what I learned getting sick. And I realized how horrible I was. Mm -hmm. at the very things that I thought I was good at. <laughs> and oh, that's yeah. not to, and that's not to, you know, make a dig or anything like that. I just hadn't suffered the way I have. And this forced me to slow down. And as mm -hmm. we enter our healing season, I told my husband, I never want to go back to that right. because now I've learned the beauty in slowness and quietness and I even ended up writing a poem not long ago, my monkish life and learning, you know, and what you were kind of describing is that the value in being radically present. And it is something you have to like retrain your brain, even your body your nervous system to just to breathe, mm -hmm. to slow down, take in the details. Yep. And what you said before, I, I just wanted to keep listening, but just to add a little bookmark there, you had talked about like sitting in grief and how slowing yeah. down is learning how to practice compassion. And I love in the Bible about when they talk about Lazarus and how Christ paused, he slowed to mm -hmm. weep. He didn't just come through like a Mack truck and blow the doors open and just snap his fingers and he's up, you know, it's like yep. he, he slowed yeah. to be in that human moment and to give to the people he loved what they needed. And then, you know, in the Bible, it says weep with those who weep. It doesn't say instruct with those who weep and admonish with those who weep and anything else. That was something I was thinking about the other day that it is like when someone we love is weeping, the most beautiful thing we can do is to slow down and, and weep with them to be mm -hmm. fully present. Right. Yeah. I just, man, I don't know if I've ever framed it like that. Like slowing down is an act of compassion. Yeah. I'm going to be bookmarking that. <laughs> I think I think that it is. I also, you know, when we read through the the stories of Jesus, the Gospels, it's never like a, a story never starts with and Jesus was behind, or and Jesus had to leave quickly to move on to the next thing. Like the only time he like left quickly was when people were trying to kill him, right? Like which is probably a good time. Yeah, to speed yeah. Up, but like he's never. There's never like, you know. And Jesus was in a rush. Like it just he was very intentional with his time and he gave his time away to people and, you know. And I, I think. I don't know that that feels like a meaningful life to me feels like a life uh, lived slowly. Uh, I don't want to chug it down. I just want to sip it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is so good. So being slow and the practice of compassion in a lot of ways can be a cure. So I was kind of thinking maybe we can pivot just a little bit, talk about writing because yeah. I've been reading Ray Bradbury's book, the uh, Zen and the art of writing. And then my mind does these little connections. I'm like, this will be great <laughs> yeah. with Tanner. So he wrote in it that writing is a cure. And I just thought, man, in a lot of ways, when I read Tanner's work, and I've heard other people talk about that in a lot of ways, it does offer a cure. And I know that does that for you. 
mm-hmm. it does that for them. What do you, I'm curious what you think about that quote or how oh. things feel curative to you when you write and when you share. Well, yeah, I, ha- I have this poem, it's titled Welcome, and I, I share it at all these shows that I that I do, like the spoken word shows. And it, one of the lines in the poem is that, that writing is the cheapest form of therapy. Saving my pockets, singles and dimes so I can buy coffee, right? Like writing is the cheapest form of therapy, at least for me. Like when I, writing is just like this big old exhale. You know, I get to take all these, you think about all the emotions, thoughts, feeling, questions, grief, all the things inside of you, like think about them as like, puzzle pieces or Legos, and I get to dump them out and then put them together and create something, right? So that's, and so I'm, I'm, I'm working with my hands, which is a very important thing to do when slowing down, but also to be healthy, right? To, to put pieces together or to let your mind work with your hands. And, and so for me, that's what, that's what writing does. Like it, it seems to, it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's helped me get to this far in my life and I don't know where I would be without it. It is the thing that has saved me and reminded me that I am saved. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Obviously, when I when I was reading it, it really resonated with me too, especially thinking about the past couple of years in my story, writing mm-hmm. saved me and not because I was doing it in isolation, because that alone is a wonderful thing, but that it was a way to commune with God, to grapple with things, to reach out to him, you know, having those Psalm moments of, do you even mm-hmm. hear me? And then there's like that second cure, that second therapy of getting brave enough to share it with, yeah. with others. Was that, was that part hard? Because, and maybe you could speak to our creatives that are listening. I think a lot of us struggle with, I don't know, we can, if we can arrive at the page and do something really authentic and curative, that's one thing, but then to take that next step and share it the vulnerability, the imposter syndrome, you know, I don't know if you want to speak to that or lend some encouragement to our listeners. Yeah, I, I would love to, I've been doing this for like 10 years now and sharing stuff online. It it took a little while for me to get to that point, but then when I did, it was just kind of like, well, you know, not, I I know not everybody's going to like what I do. I know I'm not always going to like exactly what I write or it's not going to be the thing that I wanted to create or, or say it in the way I wanted to create it to say, but I know I have to get to that point. And so for me, a lot of it was like, I just got to start. I just got to start making my mistakes. I just got to start putting things out there. And like, yeah, I know people aren't going to like it or think that it's great, but I I got to start. There was something like deep inside of me that was like, this is the thing that you're, you you need to do this. Like you're not going to, you don't, we don't want to get to the end of your life and be like, oh, I wish I would have tried that whole writing thing. Like, I know this is the thing that I've, I've wanted to do. And so I needed to just, you just got to start, you know, which is, is really difficult. Like you can't, that's like, that's like telling somebody who's worrying to not worry. You know, it's not super helpful advice, but like in the back of my mind, like that's all I thought was like, you just have to, you just have to start. And so I started writing and writing and writing. And then eventually I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to start putting it out there. And I made so many mistakes. I put commas in all the wrong places. I did all the wrong things you, you do on social media. Like it was just like, I was just fumbling forward, just stumbling day after day. But I was, but I was writing, like I was doing, I was doing the thing. And so for the person who's like, you know, I really want to be a writer. I really want to like put some, some things that I've written onto the internet or share with the world. Like, you know, I, I guess my best advice is like, just, just do it. Just go ahead and fail. 
Like, and as you fail, you're going to see how, how, how much you're succeeding. Like it's, it's better to do it and be scared and get it wrong than to not do it at all. Like, so just know that like I started off and I think most writers start off just not knowing what they're doing and just bumbling in the dark. (laughs) Just so bad. Obviously I look back at my early stuff. It was so bad. It was not even good. And that's not me being humble. That's me telling you straight up. It was just not good. Like it was not good. I had to write something bad in order to eventually write something good. I had to write all these things in order to find my voice as a writer. I was I was willing to be bad at something so that one day I could be good at it. And I feel like I finally, in the last couple of years, have fi- it took me five, six, seven years to really figure out, to figure it out. But we got there. And to hit that stride. But I, yeah. you said fumbling forward. Yeah. I heard you say, I like that. Because even yeah. though you're fumbling, it is forward movement. Yeah. You don't and have to control know, the ball, but like you're yeah. moving on the field. Hey, I don't do sports, but that sounds like a good metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It really was. I believe you. My football fans out there, they get what I'm saying. Because yeah. the ball's moving forward. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying. And that's the thing is like, I think you really want to have control. And that's the big thing that like scared me is like I wanted to be able to control all the things. When you put something on the internet, you lose all control. You're just giving, you're, you're giving pieces of yourself. You're, you're offering the world vulnerability and honesty and mistakes. And people are going to see you differently and look at you differently. And I don't say all those things to like scare you, mm-hmm. but it's like, isn't that the thing that you want is you want to build intimacy between your words and somebody else, like to build this like connection. And the, the only way that you can do that is to be honest and vulnerable and open. Um, and it's like, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I, I'm so glad that I did it. I'm so glad that I've shared my my life in my writings with the world because the the people I've gotten, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here with you right now. Like the people that I've gotten to meet and people mm. I've gotten to talk to and the stories I've gotten to hear, like it's all been worth it. You know, it's all been worth it. I couldn't agree more. I completely agree. And like, if you didn't take that chance, many, many thousands wouldn't have your books in our hands. Not too long ago, late at night, it was probably six months ago, feeling extremely dark and mm-hmm. I had your books on my bedside from before when I interviewed you on our website and just flipping through and reading them. And they're so accessible. So you don't have to do like a lot of heavy lifting or there's no air and they just like hit you. They're so, they're so intimate because they just, you can hear. And then when I started listening to you actually read your stuff, then I started to almost Mm -hmm. like hear hear your voice (laughs) and just the comfort that that gives. And if you did not make that choice to fumble forward and take that chance, you know, as an artist, then it wouldn't be in the world. And that is so much worse. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's where I kind of am in my little version of the experience. People can say and think whatever they'd like, but at the end of the day, if I'm honoring the Lord, showing Mm -hmm. up authentically and doing the work that I really believe I'm called to do, that is enough. Mm Mm-hmm. That's enough. And that also means that, like you were saying, that authenticity of showing up, our warts and all, (laughs) gray hair and all, you know, whatever it is, just showing up in a real way because people want that more than ever. Yeah. I think we're all hungry for that. And and the other thing I would say is like, you just have to ignore numbers. Mm -hmm. The internet's all a game and we're all going to lose. You know, and like, I'm, I'm very thankful to have like people who follow my work and I just, it, it means the world, but like, it's not about the numbers. It's about the the connection that you create with 
the people who who are who you're writing to and for right like i'm not worried about the people who aren't following my work i'm writing for the people who do follow my work like i want to offer you some hope i want to offer you know i i mean i know so many people just because they've messaged me and said things you know like because it's just the internet man we get mm-hmm. to talk to somebody. like i know you you have so many friends on the internet that you've never met in person or even on zoom you know but you have these connections with them and you together we get to 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 share hope and encouragement with each other and I mean, what a beautiful thing that is because we all know like life is just so heavy I know. and hard and it's beautiful and it's good, but it is heavy and it is hard and I am tired, you know, like, and you're tired. We're all tired. Everyone's just tired. Yes, we're all tired. Like, nobody is, nobody is not tired. You know, I think we but should do a t-shirt. We're all tired. Everyone's just tired. Face. <laughs> everyone's tired and nobody wants a hug. Like yeah. that's just, you know, like, there we're should good. be more of those. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that's the visual I get too, is like a digital banquet table that there's yeah. room for all of us. And, yeah. and also to just serving your people, whether it's seven, 70, 7,000, 70,000. Yeah. What, if God has given you even a handful to serve, I mean, there is enough lifetime in that alone, you know, showing up in your, in real life, as they say, or in a space or as an artist and the people who are reading you, I mean, that's what it's all about. And it's extremely fulfilling. I agree. And I think that's so encouraging to people who might be listening and wondering, okay, Tanner, you know, what does that look like for me? How can I get past imposter syndrome? I don't have this big following. And it's, I I love that. It's not about the numbers. Show up, be authentic, serve your people, trust God for the rest. Yeah, it's just start slow. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, it's repetition. It's just keep doing the boring thing over and over again. Yeah. And maybe something will happen. And what if something doesn't happen? You got to answer that question. Like, what, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, what if it, right. what if the thing that you, what if it doesn't happen? You know, and, and for me, it was like the thing I wanted to happen was I wanted to be brave enough to do the thing I wanted to do. Exactly. So, and, and for me too, it's being able to do this work because this is the work I feel called to when, yeah. And so, I am committed to doing the work because I don't want to ever have to be in a position where I have to do other work. Yeah. You know, does that, yeah, I don't I, want something to take me away from what I feel like God is calling me to do, to love on people, to encourage them, to yep. put beautiful, authentic things out. Yeah. And I think one of the other conversations that kind of comes along with this is like, well, then how do I make this like sustainable? You know, mm-hmm. if God has called me into this, it's like, well, you know, I, I don't doubt that God has called you and created you to, to write or to create something beautiful for the world. But that doesn't mean that that's going to be the only thing that you get to do. For the first seven, eight years that I have been writing, I worked a full-time job, you know? So it wasn't all, you know, I think so for some people it's like, well, but I want to do this as a full-time thing. Well, it might take you some time, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's the thing you got to be able to give, like give it time. It's not just going to happen overnight. Like there's not a lot of like overnight viral successes out there. You know, there's like five. Yeah. And a lot of them might peter out too, because of the drive and character Mm -hmm. requirements. And that's the other thing is people come in and they walk in and they might see you in the middle of something. They didn't see the grind before of you just working and being faithful. So I think that is another great thing is to just work and be faithful and be consistent. Yes. You know? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Last thing on that. Yeah, go ahead. It's brisket. It's not a bean burrito in the microwave. It is brisket. It is not a bean burrito in the microwave. Like you want it to be good. You got to let it take its time. Cook it through. Cook it slow. It can be all right. 
Like that's, that's my whole thing. It's like, yeah. you got a crock pot, this situation, you don't make brisket <laughs> in a crock pot. understand that. But like, it is a, it is a slow cook. Mm-hmm. It is not a heated up real fast. Right. And you have to find, you have to arrive at quality within yourself. That's one thing I would say. Yeah. Karen Swallow Pryor, who I absolutely love. She's a great writer. And, you know, she's, she's got a great following and people have asked her similar things as they've asked you, like, well, how did you do it? And she's like, the work is the platform. It's not about platform. It's about the work. Go and get the skills, go do the service, do the grind, get the education, get the experiences, make the connections. That's the work. And if a platform or something comes, then that's nice. But the platform is not the work. The work is the work. Work is the work. <laughs> the work the, is the work. Down, and sit down and do the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, speaking of work, the work mm-hmm. of hope. So the two big things I wanted to unpack and, and go deeper with is the idea of slowness and then hope. And so yeah. I think, and you kind of hinted at this, we all need more hugs. The world <laughs> does feel, and I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer here, but I think we can agree <laughs> that things have not felt quite right since COVID. I mean, yeah. there's COVID, there's political division. Every time you turn on, it just feels like there's something new that people are angry about. And then, of course, there's heartbreaking things going on around the world with war and unrest. And I don't even have the time and space to articulate the agony and the and the concerns that we all have for these things. So in that, though, I would love to give space to how do we keep the hope going? You know, how do we spread more hope in our community, spread more hope online? How do we make that contagious? I think it can, it's this, it's a, it's a living, living a life in response to the open tomb and like believing that good is, is actually on the way and that we are not lost or forgotten, even though we may feel like it. Mm. So I think it's, it's showing up with, with both things. It is, you can hold, you know, it's like you can hold, uh, you can hold sorrow and joy together at the same time. You can, you can hold heaviness and hope at the same time. Like you can, you, you bring it all forward and it's not just all like everything is good and everything is okay. It's like, no, like not everything is not okay. Everything will in the end be okay, but everything right now is not okay. And so I think at least for me, you know, hope kind of comes down to in my, in my mind is hope is the, is, is the full assurance that God is with me in this. And so that's how I can, can show up each day and make it through you cannot have hope without waiting. And all of us are waiting for something. And when it comes to waiting, there is groaning and there is longing and there is discomfort. And so I think that when we have those things, that we have longing and groaning and discomfort, that is a place where hope is already found. We just kind of have to turn our heads to see that it's also present and at the table with us. And I think a lot of times we just kind of bury ourselves and everything is not okay and everything is wrong and every, you know, but yes, true, but also bring both things forward that yes, everything is not okay and everything will one day be okay. And so if we can bring those both together at the same time, maybe that's what it's like to have hope. Hope yeah. is not, hope is not ignorant. You know, I, I think about hope a lot and I've been working on this, this writing. So I'm going to share it with you, but do you, do you remember, I saw this thing on the internet where I see most of the things, but it was <laughs> a, a story about a national park 
that had removed all of the wolves from the national park and like the 1900s some like early like 19 i think 1950s they removed all the wolves from uh, i forget which national park it was but they removed all the wolves and then slowly like everything in the national park just kind of began to not thrive like like rivers were kind of beginning to dry up uh Animal populations were either spiking too high or or too low. Just vegetation was kind of all over the place. And so they they began to reinstitute the wolves. And the wolves, what they did, just by them being there and by showing up, they basically restored and revitalized this whole national park. New plants, new growth. Like the elk population was no longer rampant. It was the way it was. New species were coming back. Like rivers were being formed again. And that is what hope does. Wow. It, is, it, is it brings life and it, it revitalizes things. And if you remove the wolves, if you remove the thing that is going to be tenacious and not blink an eye at the darkness, if you remove that, Everything's just going to begin to wither. But if you bring the thing, you know, like uh, Emily Dickinson says that hope is the thing with feathers or mm -hmm. something like that. And it's a very beautiful poem if you read the whole thing. But that line, I don't I don't love it because I don't think that it's true. I think that hope is a wolf. I don't oh, wolves wow. don't have feathers. Her poem is beautiful. Don't hear <laughs> yes. me saying that her work no, no, is no, beautiful. I... It is beautiful. Oh, it is. I used to but teach for it. For me, the but way yes. that I see it right. is that hope is a wolf. It is not this cute little thing. It is not. It's cute. not a bunny. It, no, no, it rips bunnies. the bunny apart. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is here because it is. It is going to bring life, and that is what the wolves did in, in the national. It's park. something fierce. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it is, and it is for you. Now, a wolf will rip you apart, but it is the thing that is. It is for you, like it. Right. It, it is the thing that keeps you safe, and it is not a. It is not false. It is not just something to make you feel better. Mm. it is true and, and oh. we got to believe that it's true if we don't believe that it's true i don't know what else we have yeah i mean and just listening to you talk about it and another reason why i like you is because i need to keep working on flexing my hope muscle because i have in different parts of my life operate from a place of scarcity and worry you know i definitely think that's my sin of choice is like worry you know how oh. we all have Oh, I got a lot you, of them. Yeah. 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 Gluten. Gluten. We oh, talked love about it. That's, oh, <laughs> and in moderation, bro. Yes, yes, yes. But but no, all seriousness. And I don't want to take away from the beautiful things that you just said, but I Oh have... no, I, I would rather there be a beautiful thing said and then a couple of jokes and then we get back to oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I can't I handle should have brought too a virtual beef. donut. Um <laughs> here I am offering it to you. There you I'll go. take it. Yes. <laughs> but I, and, and again, like going back to the fact that I'm so glad you shared a piece of yourself is because that's something that I struggle with. I'm good at the slow thing, the hope yeah. thing. I have let worry and scarcity because horrible things have happened to me and so yes. many in such a succession. I have let that devour me. And I absolutely got to the point of total hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And and that's why mental health is so important to me, which we like to talk about a lot. And I got to that point where I had nothing and hope is the one thing that we have to keep no matter yep. what. Yep. And, and of course, love and faith, but even at the base of both of those is, is hope, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love that. And so yes, flexing the hope muscle and, and 
recognizing all of its parts and it, it does need to be fierce. It needs to grab onto something and refuse to let go. Really? Yeah. I love that. And I've never thought of that that way. So I love that you shared that. And what's so interesting too, is then how do we embody hope in the, in the world is you have the one side of the fierceness that we want to carry within ourselves, but then it's almost like on the flip side is that, that gentleness that I feel like I would love for us to be able to give to each other more that we don't operate in society from a place of fear and division, but Mm -hmm. a place of hope and generosity. Like I'm going to hope for the best in you. Mm Mm-hmm. And I want you to hope in the best in me and let's hope for the best. Yeah. I feel like there's so much antagonism and cancel culture. And I just, I feel like it's at such odds with what we need as a people. Yeah. And I also think it's like, and I'm going to walk with you through it. It's not just like a, and like a kind thing to, to Mm -hmm. wish for somebody, but a, a, like, you know, in hope there is certainty. Right. And so Mm. when it comes to that, it is, I'm going to be with you as you walk through this. And so it's, I am, you know, and that's, you know, comes back to a lot of the words of of Jesus where, you know, Mm -hmm. when he speaks something, when he says something, it happens, there's certainty in it where it's, I will never leave you or forsake you. There is certainty in that. And so that's what I can hold on to. Hope doesn't just like say things to say them. It says, it says things because it's true and it's going Mm. to be true. Uh, And so truth doesn't change. And I'm beginning to believe that hope doesn't either. I love that. Hope is an anchor. You know, it talks about yeah. that in the Bible. And you think about how essential the anchor is. It's one of the smaller parts of a of a massive ship. Yep. But without it, where can you end up? Yep. Aimless. And you could really find yourself in situations that are hopeless. Yeah. If you lose direction of the shore that you can't find the lighthouse. There's so many metaphors there. I love that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, we could keep on unpacking that. So one of the parts in Psalms that I love is Psalm 45. And it made me also think of you. And it's the one that I've been loving to share with our writing community at The Way Back to Ourselves. And so what is really interesting about your story is writing in a way was your plan B, as I heard you tell me before. Because I think you were going to be, you know, basketball player. Oh, yeah, for sure. Doing all that stuff, right? So first of all, what a what a great plan B. I think we all want a plan B <laughs> like that. But also, too, in the book of Psalms, and I don't know how I missed it. Only this year when I went back in, it jumped out at me. It said, my heart is overflowing with a good theme, mm. which made me think of you. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. That's good. Isn't that great? That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, is that your plan B right there? <laughs> I'm going to take it. Yep. You're ready, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I just wanted to open the floor a little bit more to your writing. If there's something you want to share about your writer's journey, something that you love that you're working on right now, or even the day in the life of Tanner, what it looks like to be a writer. I think all of the people who love you and follow you and who are getting to know you would love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. Like a a day in the life for me. Well, I'll I'll say this. I, you know, I I say that I'm a writer, and I get to write about ten percent of the time. Mm. Is it that you wear a lot of hats when you are your, when you are your own company? Because essentially that's that's what it is. So mm-hmm. for me, you know, it's not just the writing thing. I, I write and I get to speak and I tour. I do events with musicians where we do evenings of music and poetry, and then I do, you know, I I 
do consulting for for writers and, and creatives and artists and then I ship stuff out from my my office here and I'm working on future projects and it's emails and it's it's all these different it's social media it's it's all these little things that all add up so I I would say like first of all like my 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 life isn't as as glamorous it's it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work um, and it's a lot of rest because that's what what is life if you're only working so I've been learning to to rest more and to take time off and to just kind of sit with what is and most of the day is is me just doing all the small things to keep this thing moving forward so that I can keep writing so that I can keep creating so that I can keep sharing and it's yeah so it's it's just a it's a lot of bit of everything but I think you know for those who are who want to to be a writer I, I would just say just just keep writing mm. and just keep at it and then keep looking to the people that you admire and ask them questions and maybe they'll respond early on when I first started writing I would send message after message to, to writers asking for advice. And I did it all in the wrong way, the way they're not supposed to do it. But I was like, you know, hey, would you like, you know, want to get coffee? Or can I hop on a phone call? Or like, I have these questions for you. And that wasn't the right way to do it. But like, now if somebody sends me a message about writing, like I'm going to respond. Because I don't, mm. I don't want them to think that, you know, they're not seen or valued or that there's not purpose in it, you know. Um, but for me, I would just say, just, you know, keep showing up. And keep doing the work, keep doing the, the boring thing day after day after day. And if it's the thing that you believe God has, has called you and invited you to do, then, then just just do it. Don't just and and then be be ready to be amazed. My my mom oh, I like my that. mom says a lot of good things, but she always said, you know, expect nothing and everything is a gift. And and I love that. You know, when I started writing, I didn't expect for it to be like this. It's all just a gift. You know, and, and if I was just writing every now and again because I love to write that is a good thing mm -hmm. you do not you do not have to be like all the other creators and artists and writers and musicians that you follow on the internet you do not have to look like them you do not have to write like them you don't have to talk like them just create the way that you only know how to create God did not make you and he hit copy and paste on somebody else just go off and, and be be who God created you to be offer grace and mercy and love and hope with the things that you create and and you'll see what happens you know, and it's not about the numbers. It's always not about. So don't think like, oh, it's not good because not like, you know, four people liked it or one person liked it. It doesn't matter. Nobody has to like it to like it. Maybe you just wrote it for yourself. And that's a pretty good thing, too. Feels exactly. a little bit like worship. So. And then something I was hearing in that, too, is just the idea of being a student. You know, you yeah. were reaching out to people, study who you love, be a student oh, yeah. and being a student of life, you know, as a writer. Yes. But in all the things that you set out to do. um. I just feel like being in that posture of being confident and what God's called you to, because you need a level of confidence to go after it. But yeah. then a posture of, as a student, always looking to grow and, yeah. and the authenticity piece. And even speaking to the fact that you have been so kind to me from the beginning of our first exchange until now, I always felt seen and valued mm -hmm. in our exchanges. And I think that that is really awesome because I, I've seen you do that with other people too from afar. And I do think that's a beautiful thing. We're going back to slowness and just slowing down and yeah. and saying, hey, I see you. And even just one line, you know, one email, one line, one smile, one piece of eye contact. I feel like that really yeah. keeps things going. So, and I, and I love just the day in the life is that it is going to be multifaceted when we're chasing our dreams. Yeah. Like it's not you don't be like you sitting by 
you know, at a cute coffee shop and all the words are just coming out and like, everyone's like, oh, are you that writer writing that thing about that thing? Like, no, that's not going to happen. You're going to look, yeah. no, you're going to be frustrated and your computer's going to be dirty and yes. you're going to be like, is this even good? And it's not. And you're going to be like, well, whatever. Yeah, that's just what I got. Trying. I mean, it's just, it's all, yeah, you just keep showing up and doing the work and you keep trusting that the words will come. And if they don't come, go for a walk. So a lot of a lot of things come when you just go for a walk. Like just yeah. close the laptop, go yep. for a walk, or go read something or consume something beautiful, like some art or people that you love, and then you'll get filled up again before yeah. you know it. And speaking of doing the work, and and do mm -hmm. you have anything that you want to read to us? I know you've read a couple things. I don't know if there's a little nugget you want to share. Yeah. And then the last thing that I I was thinking about doing is I put it out there for people to ask a couple of questions for you Perfect. and they don't yeah. have to be long form. Oh yeah. So, we got time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I love to share just a poem titled walk a little slower from my book. Yes. Walk a little slower. I think it probably fits pretty well with our conversation, but it, go, it goes like this. I think today I'll walk a little slower and breathe a little deeper. I'll leave my phone face down inside and give my eyes a rest to see beauty beyond a screen. I'll grab a light jacket so I can still feel the cold wind hold their hand until it gets sweaty and I'll let go, but I'll never let go. I'll walk alone between shadows, cut through the field, cross the street when the car is clear. Today, I want to find myself beneath the limbs of the trees and later on below a few million stars. Maybe we'll see a dog or bump into old friends or both. I'm not counting steps or miles, but I'm just walking because for now, I can and I don't know what the future holds, if my days left are long or short, or, well, you get it. Maybe grief is around the corner or a missed call on my face down phone back inside. Maybe there is good news in my inbox or a miracle waiting in the welcome of the next month and in the morning. In the morning, I'll sit a little longer and drink a little deeper. I'll watch the light make its way through the dark morning because the light, it always finds a way. And I'll remind myself that life won't always look the way it does. Change is coming and it might even be here. I'll remember the steps forward and the steps back that led me to where I am. And before I begin to move these feet once again, I'll slowly breathe in grace and exhale peace, knowing that every piece of me is here to be. And whatever may become, well, for now, for now I'll walk a little slower and breathe a little deeper because right now I'm alive and everything is okay. It's not perfect and that's okay. And that's what I'm learning to tell myself these days. Everything is okay. It's not perfect. And that's okay. I love it. Whenever I get to hear a poet read, I like to close my eyes and go to that place. Yeah. I, I like to visualize it and just be in that moment and really take it in. That was so beautiful. And I do feel like it's such a perfect bow <laughs> to tie on our conversations. It it really tied perfectly from opening up with prayer and then winding down with walk a little slower. I loved it. So here are a couple of questions. Okay. So I was reading your poetry to my daughter and yes. I told her that I was asking questions and she, she has a couple of questions for you. I would love it. And, yes. and she really wanted to come on. And I said, no, baby, you got to go to sleep. <laughs> and <laughs> And and you're six. Okay. Yeah. But she wanted to know, here are her few questions. Can anything be a poem? Yes. And here's here's a really cute one. Can you write poems about cakes and angels? Yes. 
I'll love to write about angel food cake. <laughs> there you go. And then, but this is the one that maybe you could camp on. The other two are adorable, but what makes a good poem? What makes uh, a good poem? I think the the what makes a good poem, it, it depends person to person. I think you're never going to write, you can't write something for everybody. Mm. You know, like not everybody loves Space Jam and it's a perfect movie. You know, not everybody loves the thing that you love and not everybody hates the thing that you hate. So I think like what makes a good poem is 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 you showing up and writing something honest. Mm. And that honest thing, it can be funny. It can be vulnerable. It can be deep. It can be all those things. I have, I have a poem titled Cake for Breakfast. It's not a serious poem at all. Some people, that's my favorite poem you've written. And it makes me feel terrible because it's like the one that I, like I was just like, I wrote it in 10 minutes. There it is. It's done. You know, and then there's other poems that I've been writing for months and years that they're just gonna be like, it's fine. You know, so even if it's yeah. the poem that you love, it doesn't mean other people are going to love it as well. But I think what makes a good poem is that when you, is is when the writer was when the writer shares it, you know, I think maybe that's, my, my friend was talking to me the other day about a song and he's, and maybe the question was, you know, like, when is a song finished? I think that's what it was, is when is a song finished? It's when somebody else hears it. Maybe Ooh. when a when is a poem good is when somebody else reads it. Maybe that's it. I found the answer. It's when somebody it's, reads it. It's great. No, she's going to appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So she's going to, can she write, I want her to write me a poem about cake. I will have her send it to you. Perfect. She, she's going to die. She's going to be so excited. So I I just had to, yeah, I just had to do that because my goodness, why not? But here are some real questions from very, you know, serious writer friends. So you kind of talked about define what poetry is for you. You kind of did talk about that a little bit, if you want to add to it. And then I'll just, I'll ask the other two, and then you can just kind of address them how you'd like. And these are the ones that I kept. What is poetry for you? How do you find your voice as a poet? You did talk about that earlier, about you just write and write and write. I don't know if you want to add it. And this one is great, especially when we look at the slow living, is how do you balance or think about productivity while valuing the art of slowing down? Yeah, I I think, you know, I'm one of those poets who I just started writing poetry. You know, it's funny. Anyone can just be a poet. You know, like it's not like an astronaut or a president where people are like, yep, you are this thing. If you're like anyone can just become a poet. So I am like a I'm not a trained poet. I went to college to be a youth leader to work in a church. And that didn't I did that for a little while. And then I started writing and that's just kind of how it came to be. So I am a kind of self-taught poet. And, you know, people and I'll go into schools and talk about poetry with students and they'll ask me all these you know, technical poetry questions. And I'll be like, well, what is your, what do you think your teacher has to say about that? Well, That's I don't know what that pivot. word, you know, third graders, I don't know what that word means. So you're gonna have to explain to me what alliteration is. So it's like, it's a, it's a <laughs> tough thing for me to tell you, you know, how, define what poetry is for you. I, I would just say, it's just, it's, it's taking what's, you know, inside and putting it on a page and, and offering that. That's very Dead Poet Society of you, you know, when Robin Williams comes in and has the boys rip up the textbook and their oh, eyes cross. It's the yep. best movie ever. And some of them, the acting is so good. You could see some of them, their heads are exploding Yeah, because it's like you can get so caught up in the technicality that you can kill it. Yeah. So there's something beautiful about throwing yourself in and just listening to the rhythms of your own heart and soul. Yeah. And 
if there's something technical there, that's great. If there's not, and it, it can still be something. And that whole movie is so good about capturing what you talked about. Go see Dead Poets Society. <laughs> oh, yeah. 10 out of 10 would recommend. And there's a lot of people out there who are going to tell you that, you know, I, I've had people tell me, be like, well, your poetry is not like real poetry. And I was like, well, I appreciate I appreciate your compliment or I appreciate your comment. I'm going to, you know, file that away. And people, you know, like I said earlier, like not everyone's going to like what you put out there or they're not going to think it's the right thing or the way it should be done. And that's fine. People are going to say what they're going to say but don't hear them say, stop writing. You right. Know? And I, I, I would love to know all those things about poetry, but I'm just not there yet. Maybe one day I will be, but that's not my writing style. My writing style is rip out the pages and put down what you know how to put down, you know? And I think if you were to try to put up some sort of rules or barriers to my work, it wouldn't be the way that it is. And I really want it to be gritty and vulnerable and as authentic as possible so that's just kind of my approach if you want if you want to read somebody else's poetry with with perfect format and rhyme schemes and all these things go find those poets you're not going to find that here right so um how do i did how did i find my voice as a poet it it's just like and it just took time it just took a lot of writing and it took a lot of writing and reading you know i think about i think a lot of in 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 the in, about poetry and writing the way that I think about sports. I grew up playing basketball. And so when I was in high school, I would watch all these videos of Steve Nash play basketball. He's my mm. favorite basketball player. My husband's he too. He loves oh, Nash the way and, he passed and Dirk, the ball. both the two oh, of yeah. them. Oh yeah. yeah. The way he passed the ball, the way he, the way he just like manipulated offenses and defenses and the way that he controlled the pace of the game and the way that he just like, like saw things. So I would watch him play and then I would try to go do that on the court. And the same is true with writing. I would find a couple of different writers and poets and I'd say, I want to do what they're doing, but do it in my own style. So I'd watch like spoken word poets like Anis Mojgani and Levi McAllister. And, you know, and then I'd read my friends like Justin McRoberts and Amina Brown and, you know, Mary Oliver and even like Shel mm. Silverstein, like all these different writers and creatives. And I would say, oh, I love what they did here. Can I do that in my own way? Or you would read, I would read through what they're doing or listen to what they were saying. And I'd be like, oh, I love the word miracle. I want to write about the word miracle. You know, it's all these small things. And so like, how do you find your voice as a poet? You have to pay attention. And like, that is the number one rule. It's not even a rule. It's the number one invitation. The number one invitation is to pay attention. Is if you begin to pay attention and you begin to watch what other people do and you begin to look at how you're doing things and be willing to make changes, like you will find your voice as a poet and it will take time. It might take you two months. It might take mm -hmm. you, it like took me seven years and yes. I feel like I'm still finding it. You know, there are some days where I feel like I've got it and there's other days where I don't, but you also have to like, like once you find your voice, you have to let your voice grow. So once you find it, then you begin to water it. And then as soon as you begin watering it and it begins to change and it begins to grow, <laughs> You feel like you're going to be finding it all over again, but that's the beauty of a garden. Absolutely. And it's the, in that mission to find yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think the more and more you make a home in yourself and you find yourself, the better the writing becomes because yeah. it's in, and you do need to study the grades. Absolutely. And I think that was such great advice. It's very practical. You know, we can say, oh, find yourself. And those are things that those are mm -hmm. important things, but studying the grades and finding things that rise up to meet you. Yeah, if something is resonating and then go and take it and practice it and make it your own. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like that does get you on that journey to arriving at something that's authentically you. And that's yeah. the thing, right? It's all about authenticity. So on that note, oh, one more. Yeah. Do you want to speak to the productivity? Like, I think yeah. that is tough. That's such a tough one of how am I going to be pr- productive and, and chase a dream or or do big things in the world, but honor slowness. I mean, that's like, ugh, that's a, yeah. if you can't answer that, you'll be the million dollar man. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think for me, I, I had to burn myself out a couple of times to realize that there's value in slowing down and resting. And I also married the right person who taught me and told me, hey, you need to rest, you need to slow down, you need to stop. And so for me, you know, how do I balance productivity with valuing the art of slowing down? It's learning to to say, I'll come back to this tomorrow or this can wait. It's It's believing, again, like we've talked about, that this is the thing that you've been invited to do and you're going to do it again tomorrow or mm-hmm. in two days when the weekend's over or however that looks for you. And it's, I don't know, it's it's trusting that rest is, is, is a good thing and it's healthy for you in a lot of ways and it's healthy for the people around you. You are not just what you do. You know, like I am not just a writer. I get to be, you know, I get to be a husband and a dad and a friend and a neighbor. Like go do those, go be those things too. Don't just go be the thing that you want to be. Go be the thing that you already are. Life is a, is a lot of different things. Go enjoy, go enjoy those, go enjoy those things. So it is, it is, a, it is a balance. And, and, you know, you can use, I think you can use the word balance or like find a rhythm, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever it is. But like you're you're not you're not gonna do it all. You're just mm. not. I am a. I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram at all. Oh yes. But I am a Enneagram three, which means mm-hmm. I and really enjoyed working. I really yeah. enjoy doing things, and I enjoy doing the things that I enjoy doing. You know, and I want to be good at those things, and that's great. But there's a time for that. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of life and. If I get to the end of it and I was like, oh, I worked really hard, I'm gonna be so bummed. Yeah, that's not enough. That's not I, I yeah. want to get to the end and and say, like, I worked really hard and I loved my family and I got a lot of good rest in, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I knew my neighbors. Sure, I, I wrote I wrote a lot of things and I wrote some good things and I wrote some things that I'm proud of. But I also left a lot of things undone. And that's okay. I like that a lot, like making peace with leaving some things undone, whether it's the dishes or the laundry or your to-do list. It's like you have to think about what's your greater yes. That's something that I've been really trying to remind myself of. I'm an Enneagram 9, and so we want to bring harmony and balance and peace to everything. But I have a really strong one wing, very strong, the perfectionistic Mm -hmm. achieving, which kind of vibes with the three. And when that is on, I struggle a great deal with putting something down. Sure. You know, and I've, I've caused burnout for the sake of making something perfect. Mm. And then I'm doing battle with myself because I want harmony and peace. So I loved when you talked about rhythm and finding a rhythm that works for you, that doesn't need, doesn't need to work for other people. Like there are other people who are going to get way more done. And they can, they have that capacity. I've learned that now. Like I, for me, the rhythm is doing less and giving myself the space and the rest to do it right. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 when I, I agree with that. When I was learning about rest, it was like, you know, some people need more rest and some people need less rest, but everybody needs rest. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I got into that mindset of like, well, I don't need, I'm, I just need like a little bit, but like, no, you need a little bit more than you think. And I think that's true with a lot of things. Like you need maybe a little bit more rest than you think that you do. And, and you, you know, you, you, you rest and you go to work, rest and you go to work. So we forget about the seventh day Sabbath, you know, in our culture. And it's there for a reason. You know, yeah. it's in our DNA. We need it. <laughs> That's yeah. so good. So as we wrap up, I always want to give people the last say if if there's anything else you want to share, if there's something we didn't hit that you'd love to talk about. And then of course, let us know how we can connect with you and find your great stuff. Yeah. And if you have anything exciting coming up. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's the end of the year right now, end of 2023. It's crazy. Yeah. If, I, if you want to follow along with my work, it's written to speak or written to speak.com um, or just find me on Instagram or Facebook. I like, I'm only on those, like really those two spaces. I can't do TikTok. I just can't. My, my soul is not strong enough to be on TikTok, but you just find me at written to speak or Tanner Olson, O-L-S-O-N, not like the twins, which is E-N. <laughs> But I, I, I'm, I'm there. And if you have any questions about anything that we talked about, I'd love to, to answer them. But I don't know, like, what do I want to leave you all with? Actually, let me read you. I'm gonna read you one final poem. And that'll that'll be it for me. It's this. I was hoping you would grace us with yeah. one more to well, go out in the, on. In the, in the in the poem that I just read of, from Walk a Little Slower, I talk about how, you know, everything's gonna be okay, essentially. And so I, this is kind of like a little follow up to that. But it's something I've been I've been tucking in some of my this little print that I've been, you can see it because it's on the internet or call, but for a podcast, people don't know I'm waving a piece of paper around, but it's this little five by seven that I've been tucking in orders that have been coming through. And it's just a little reminder. It goes like this. When I say everything will be okay, what I mean is in the end, everything will be okay. Along the way, it will not all be okay. You already know this. There will be sadness and death and failure. There'll be brokenness and moments that feel as though they are beyond repair. There'll be pain and fear and unwanted changes to your story. There'll be seasons when you feel far from okay and moments when you wonder if the last line of this poem is true. And of the little I know, there is one thing I know for sure. Through it all, there is hope. And hope cannot help but live on as it invites us to lean in and hold fast to a light that continues to last. and moves us to love and dream, and give, and continue, and stay for another day. It leads us to pray, and forgive, and cling to grace, and believe the last line of this poem is true. Everything will be okay, even if everything isn't okay today. Well, that'll do it for this episode, the last episode of, of 2023. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to this podcast and to, to hang out. Thanks for your kind messages and support throughout the year. For those of you who are, are patrons or are following along on, on Substack, it, I mean, it truly, truly does mean the world. I hope that in 2024, I can see you face to face, whether that's at a conference or at your church or wherever it may be, sharing poetry, telling stories, or just getting a cup of coffee. Again, if you enjoyed my conversation with Kimberly Finney, check the show notes. Make sure to follow along with, with the work that she does. Uh, she's, she's fantastic and incredibly kind and, and gifted. So make sure to check out her work. Just visit the show notes. All right. With that, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Much love.